This is HPR episode 2001 entitled HPR Community News for March 2016 and is part of the series HPR Community News. It is hosted by HPR volunteers and is about 89 minutes long. The summary is HPR Community News for March 2016. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. My name is Ken Fallon, and you're listening to another episode of Hacker Public Radio Community News for March 2016. For those who don't know, Hacker Public Radio is a community podcast network, meaning the shows are contributed by people like your good self. If you haven't contributed to the show already, please consider doing so, as that is vital to the ongoing success of HPR as a project. HPR Community News is a show that's put on monthly by the HPR community, and this is turning into an infomercial. Joining me tonight are, is Dave Morris. How are you, Dave? <laughs> I sound as if I'm plural this week, but uh, no, it's just the me. Just me, that's all. Exactly. Anyway, we do this show, uh, removing the professionalism from it. We do this show every month, so to give people an idea of what's going on on the mailing list, and basically uh, other show, have a quick run through the show so people get some feedback Uh on the stuff that they have done, the contributions that they have made. And we've had some very good contributions this month, starting with HBR 1977. By but hold hold your horses there, Ken, whoa, because we whoa. have two new hosts this month. You say it isn't so, Dave. And they are uh, Brian in Ohio and No Place Like Slash Home, which yeah. actually the, um, the uh, speech synthesizer managed really, really well. I was impressed. Well, I must confess, I have not listened to that show as yet for the following reason. Um, on Friday, I was working from home and I left my uh, media player, Sansa Clip, in work. And uh, it's my daughter's birthday and we were getting ready for that on Friday afternoon. So unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to listen to that. But I will. I will. I will listen to it. I do promise. I listen to all the shows. Well, I, I have listened, so I'll uh, I'll make my comments when the when the time comes. If that uh, if that helps, please do so. Okay, the first show last uh, month was Mirror Shades, which the text to speech did butcher, and it was what's in my toolkit. Yes, indeed. He's uh, he's got a pretty comprehensive toolkit there. I think. <laughs> being being the nerd I am, I like to follow up all these links. <laughs> There's some pretty cool stuff there, I have to say. None of which I shall buy, but uh, you know, it looks looks really nice. If it has, um, it's always good when you're doing these shows to put in the links. So that's uh, a field bag. Oh, this looks very desert stormy. 
Yeah, it's it's an, it's an impressive list, and the the links are brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I should say thank you for them. It's always fun to do to follow them through. Actually, I find. And I had never heard of that pocket reference uh, before by Thomas J. Glover. No, that looks like fun, judging by some of the reviews there. Yeah, I was thinking. Um... If somebody, if he wanted to do a review of the book, what actually is in it, that would be quite excellent, really. Yeah, that would be a great idea, wouldn't it? The um, just just digressing slightly, the Stanley Pocket screwdriver is the same one that John Culp um, uses, I believe, because it was on my wish list. That's how I happened to notice. I've never bought one, but it's on my on my wish list. It is definitely not on my wish list because I had one once, and uh, a colleague of mine. We were standing talking to each other, and she picked it up off the desk and was like um, waving her hand about, and she waved it at me like, and the blade came up and cut a gash on the top of my head, on my skull, and oh back God. and stuck into the uh, into the uh, stud wall behind. <laughs> oh my God! Blood going everywhere, and this thing like an inch deep into the uh, stud wall behind. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a throwing screwdriver. Stanley screwdriver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll maybe take that off my list then. <laughs> no, I'm sure uh, that was not an intentional use case. No, 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 no. No, it still looks quite a nice thing to to have actually. Just as uh, the fact that it's a pocket driver. All my other ones are big, big hulking things. You know, it'd be quite useful to have around. Yeah. So, the following day, we had ultra-high vacuum loading samples by Amnuzip. Amnuzip. As you know, my job here is to uh, butcher people's names, and I do that from time to time. Let's just check and see if there were any comments on what's on my bag. Surprisingly not, actually. And this was a show about uh, loading a high, ultra-high vacuum system. Which I actually like this. Uh, it's becoming a little bit of a look into somebody's life. Obviously, I would never be able to get access to this sort of equipment, so it's kind of cool. No, it's quite cool, isn't it? Um, I got the impression that uh, he there was a bit of audio missing, but I, I couldn't quite work out. Just just to jump to the comments quickly, he commented on on it himself, saying he uploaded the short version and he's got a longer version of the audio, but we never seem to receive it, which is quite sad. Oh, okay. That is a bummer. But, uh, yeah, let's upload the longer version as well. No harm. And uh, John Culp, uh, How to Make Perfect Steel Cut Oats, and I was filling my father-in-law's car with petrol when I was listening to this. And... I have this every morning, so but I think this is an awful lot of work to do slow cooked overnight. Yeah, I I um I'd never come across steel cut oats before. I think because it's not a term often used in the UK. In Scotland, it's called pinhead oatmeal, uh-huh. and uh, so um so I bought some actually to check it out. And he's right; it's not easy to to cook on the stove. Um, I think it takes a bit of practice and it does take a long time too but uh, i do happen to have a it's actually my daughter's a little little slow cooker which i'm going to check out but i haven't got around to it yet we uh we roll eat rolled oats with uh and the fucking thing is i do not eat porridge with, with water i always make it with milk uh with uh, semi-fat milk so about uh, 
a liter of uh, a liter of half skim milk, and then uh, another half liter of water of boiling water, and then boil it. Put add the oats, and then boil it, and then you, you don't get that horrible cardboardy feeling from the oats. It takes some. Yeah, milk. yeah. I used to cook it for my kids when they were younger. Uh, they they quite liked. Porridge rolled oats again, but uh, yeah, and and putting milk in it is a good thing to to do. I found as well. Yeah, cool. Anyway, Mr. X had it fixing. Hold on. Oh, sorry. sorry Hold sorry. on. There's yes, some yes. there's some comments. There's some comments. Oh yeah. Um, one of which the, the first one, <laughs> the first one of which was mine, uh, basically saying the thing about pinhead oatmeal and trying to cook it and all that stuff that I've already said and. Um, I've got. I do have. A, I've got two two slow cookers. I've got a giant one for the family, and it seems there's no way I could use that for cooking porridge because it uh, you'd end up with a bucket full. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the um, I think John says in reply that he has quite a large slow cooker, but he, he it's a, they make a family size portion. Um, so uh, yeah. So anyway, there's John Pope put a sentence on. Saying the slow cooker is just barely not too big. There's something wrong with that sentence, <laughs> John. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I can't comment on that because <laughs> I have no idea what it means. Just barely not too big, as in it's almost. It ju- it's just perfect. It fits just fine, as in. There would be space. There's barely any space left over for two servings. Yes. Okay. okay yes. yes. Fine. <laughs> okay. And you replied the way of the old. Yes. I. I do you want me to read that? Strategies Please, for yeah, me. Yeah. Strategies for me seem to be try to perfect the stovetop method, get a smaller slow cooker or something else. Actually, my daughter has a small slow cooker, and if she's not using, it, I might grab it for OT duties during the midterm break, which I did. And uh, I haven't tried it yet, though. And um, he, uh, he, st- and I, my son's visited recently. I said, and he found a recipe for steel cut oats using a pressure cooker. But that, <laughs> that seems like a big old hassle to me, actually. So, so uh, um, yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll skip the rest of it. I still admit I've never seen steel cut oats anywhere ever in my life. You, you don't like I said. You don't hear them. You don't find them called that in this country. They're, they're, the actual grain is chopped up with a, with um, presumably uh, a, a sort of spinning knife thing rather than being rolled through rollers like rolled oats are. And, uh, you know, it's chopped. So you get little pieces of, of grain when you look at it. They look like pellets or something. Yeah, Fair really, really tough. Enough. Mr. Culp has distracted us long enough. And then we had Mr. X, who was fixing an audio problem uh, when he went into a rant. How many shows have started doing another project and then ended up uh, ended up finding becoming an expert at something and then uh, yeah, recording more shows about that. I think it was good. I like shows like that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. I enjoyed this one. It was. Both it was interesting from the audio side, and I very much agree with his comments about uh, too much automation and all that sort of thing that he was he was talking about. So yeah, yeah. yeah. cool. 
Yes, I completely agree with him on that. And then we had the community news, which had two comments. And those comments were from Folky. Uh, when you repost the show that's been cut, please change the file names, uh, otherwise podcatchers. Okay, this has got to do with... Um, this has got to do with the um, sad tale of the uh, of the RMS podcast, which unfortunately is the length it is. But yes, I think we've had to repost shows twice in the past. Uh, twice, I've had to repost shows twice in the past, and we have a mechanism to do that. In the database, we change the version number, and then they uh, you get a new version down in the uh, podcast it's called hpr whatever dot something something else and that's enough to trigger a new download yep yep i've, I've seen it happen so yeah i can vouch for that and jezreel was uh, uh i made a comment about um about my getting lights working for the kitchen and jezreel and in my bill in fact um have helped me out with that and i think i uh they've helped me Identify the requirements. Uh, one of the things is uh, basically mixing to um, D- high high current AC with uh, DC or low current AC. Probably not a good idea. So um, I'm just going to have a Arduino or something. Um, so the a DC light switch on the door, um, and then uh, or it's not a DC light switch along with the other ones. And then uh, just have the power on an Arduino, which the first thing is to turn off the RGB and turn on the um, the uh, LEDs, uh, the white LEDs. So it'll act like a kitchen countertop thing. Cool. Simple. Very good. Very simple. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't have told you how to do it, but I have seen people do this type of thing. Yeah, the, the idea of putting a dimmer in would make it a lot more complex because... Yeah, dimming LEDs is a complex thing, but when I put it to my uh, my wife, who also lives here, she says, "I don't care, on off fine." And with the Arduino, uh, oh yeah, with the Arduino, we can set the uh, I can go in and then set, you know, the, that variable to be how bright or dim. So if she says, "Yeah, that's how bright I want it," then I can make it that bright. Yeah, next day. Fantastic. It's cool actually to have a, a, a. I was just talking not about those, uh, those two guys who were able to help out, but it is just amazingly. It's amazing the number of people that uh, come into your circle due to uh, HPR. You know, who'd have thought we would know so many people around the world? And I know in inverted quotes, you know, if I turned to people's door, they would go, oh, what the hell? Who the hell are you? Um, but. Uh, you know, you have a feeling that you know all these uh, people and you can call upon them for, you know, tips and stuff, which is really awesome and amazing. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's uh, it's broadened my horizons a lot. It's, uh, yeah, I um, I met uh, NY Bill in, in person at um, an old, one okay. of the old camps. Yeah, and I had to go around the room speaking to the few people I did know, saying, do you know NY Bill? Could you point them out to me? <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. of that very reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seemed seemed very strange, but anyway, we got yeah. there in the end. Are you you're you're there and you uh, uh, at one of the other councils, you know, drinking a beer, and then suddenly you hear somebody next to you who's the voice of a a podcaster, a podcaster that you'd never heard before. You go, oh my god, there's no idea that they look like that. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Actually, that 
why my avatar is the way my avatar is is just a picture on my face because uh, so that people will recognize me if they see me and then they can say hey I listen to the show and then I can say hey you should do a show then anyway not your Geordie hey completely on steroids sending in shows that's what we like to hear keep them coming and his configuration if he ever loses that configuration he's absolutely screwed i'll tell you that for nothing yeah that rat poison stuff looks interesting but boy is it uh quite uh quite involved from, from what he was saying yes but he, he i think he has a as he says himself on the show he has a desktop that is fine tuned to his needs and nobody else's needs is this his computer absolutely awesome that you can do that you know, I think yeah, the one sure. time. I'm, sorry, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say I very much uh, appreciate what you were saying there because I spent huge amounts of time fiddling around with 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 my setup over the years. So, so you know that that uh, that rang many bells in my my mind. And the thing is, when I uh, I was listening to that this and I was thinking, yeah, I don't customize my stuff at all. You know, I I just upgrade and then then whatever, and then. When I do do a full install, I realize, oh, um, all my settings are still on my hard disk from when I upgraded and upgraded and upgraded, and they get taken over even if you switch distros. And all of a sudden, yeah, maybe I do you know, spend three or four hours trying to change stuff to the exact way I like it. So, yeah. But um, a good backup is in order, I think, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I I, I was looking through my um, hard disk on my my current machine just the other night and I suddenly realized I had files and configurations going back to the desktop machines I had on my desk at work, you know, like about 10 or 12 years ago. Um, some not relevant anymore, but still they were there because I was very careful about gathering them all together and moving them forward every time I moved, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, historical piles of junk, I guess you'd call them, but there you go. Yeah. I'd never seen that uh, Sakura uh, terminal before. No, I checked that one out, actually. It it, uh, it looked interesting, but not quite enough features for me, but still quite good to have as a lightweight thing, I thought. Yep, yep. Each to their own. That is the beauty of Linux. It used, it used to be a thing, you know, when that, that was really very much encouraged, and then Ubuntu came along and said, no, 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 we're going to decide what you think. And, uh, yep, then everybody switched to that method of uh, working. Now, I've got about five terminal emulators I use all the time, so no, I don't I do not do it that way. Cool. Um, the following day, we had Sony via VPC, and it was Swift uh, 110 from the IRC, Oggcast, Oggcast Planet, if you're interested, on Freenode. And uh, four gigs of RAM... Uh, 5400 RPM hard disk drive and mint 17.3 basically uh, reusing an old laptop pretty cool yeah it was it was an interesting review actually it made it sound like quite a quite a fun machine to have I would be reluctant to get a Sony uh, I've had bad experiences with them in the past um, just uh, even back when I was doing Windows I've had bad experiences with them yeah, I've never had one, and I do actually have enough laptops to be going on with just now. But uh, but still, it's always interesting to to uh, to speculate on these things. Yeah, there are two comments to that. Uh, can you can you read that one? 
Thanks, Jim. <laughs> 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 well, somebody with an unpronounceable name, A-O-S-K-F-L-A. I don't know how the hell you'd say that. That's cheating. So, That's cheating. Aos- okay, then, Aoskfla. That's obviously how you say it. I mean, come yes, on. obviously. That's how, how <laughs> you know, with the Flanders accent, that's how you say it. <laughs> um, says, he's obviously a friend of Switch 110. He says, boop, hey, Switch 110, it's Zen. Why, if you're Zen, do you have that name? Anyway, uh, and then Mirashade, uh, Mirashades says, great job on the shows. I might be wrong, but I think you might find that the fourth usb port is also the eSATA port i have a laptop that's ah. a weird eSATA usb port and i've found that it works but usb devices don't plug plug into it as smoothly as a standard port you may have to fiddle with it to get it to work which is an interesting thing I, i'm sure i've seen this i've never ever used an eSATA port but i must look out for that i have a eSATA external hard disk on work and uh yeah yeah, I never seen, never thought that you could plug in USB into. Maybe it's just a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, I'm sure I've seen laptops listed on you know uh, manufacturers' pages which talk about this, but I've never seen one in the flesh, to my knowledge. Oh, okay. Uh, 1984, Clinton Roy, with a spam about linuxconf.au I know it's spam it's, it's spam in so much that it's a love letter to linuxconf.au and he really I mean okay what's what's not to love about a conference that's put on in the middle of summer in a venue that's guaranteed to have good diving and you know sand surf and whatever while we're in the middle of winter they're in the middle of Australia and Linus is going to be there what's not to love but um no, he did a he did a very good rundown of the show background, and uh, it's actually quite nice to hear because you don't hear that much about uh, LinuxConf.au. I think uh, Fostem takes the the uh, the wind out of its sails on on the northern hemisphere at least, and it kind of tends to go around at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it sounded sounded great. The fact that you could embed it in a in a holiday sounded like a great uh, great piece of conference design. And don't the guys on the system.au talk about it? Do, do they, they do. not go and to they're, Yeah, they're going uh, this year, I think. It's down the road, apparently. Yeah, it's in Geelong or somewhere like that, I think, isn't it, this year? I seem to recall. Dave, have you died, Dave? Sorry, I, I just I just had a cat launch herself at me, so I was just, just uh-huh. trying to push. It's, it's, it's always cats. It's cats. I wanted my kids to take this cat away. <laughs> no, I don't. But anyway, sorry about that. I was wondering if he, because um, we have not as yet managed to uh, catch an interview with Linus for HPR. It is on my list of stuff that we need to do. So, folks, uh, we know that he appears there. Uh, interview would be absolutely awesome because we have uh, RMS a few times. Uh, we have an interview with RMS. We've got uh, several of those conferences, and we've had a, uh, you know, a lot of art. We've had. Um, Cathedral on the Bazaar, or is Raymond? Uh, Raymond? Eric Raymond, yeah. Uh, talk on with him. And we've had um, Doc. Ooh, Doc Searles, would that be? Perhaps. <coughs> I'm going to have to have a look back. But I think we're, there's quite a few people over the years, so I'd like to get Linus on. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, it would be, cool. be interesting. Okay, next day, fixing bug 10. 
92571. Can't mount drive with SIFs but can with KIO slave SMB. And this was won by me. And uh, yeah, this this personifies every bug report ever that I have done. You know, you have a bug and nobody answers it, and it just gets shut automatically, end of life, and you reopen it, and nothing it doesn't get answered. Or the other ones are you have a bug and fifteen thousand people have reported it and it gets fixed. So there's never a bug report that I've done where I felt like I've actually achieved something by by this. And I'm surprised more people haven't had this bug. So that's one yeah. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I've had similar experiences. And then um, the other, actually, I guess it's a lot of people basically don't use uh, don't use Linux in a work environment. I guess is the is the point that's here. So if you can use Linux in a work environment, you're probably using Linux servers as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not really in a position to say. I know that my work did use Linux servers quite a lot because there was a point at which they were strongly recommended by Oracle, which helped to support our case that we wanted yeah, yeah. Linux Linux rather than Windows servers. But now I have no idea what people are doing. Yeah. I anyway, I could go on. I could go on about that. I'm not going to promise to do any more shows because I got caught off with that too many times. But but this also personifies to me what FOSDEM is. You know, you've got a you get a problem. You ask somebody who knows about it, and they're able to tell you exactly what it was. SMB yeah, versions, guys. Jeremy Allison's quite an impressive guy, actually, isn't he? For, uh, yeah, he's he's obviously absolutely got his finger on the pulse there and was able to come up with an answer straight away. Fantastic. Yeah, cool. Um, and Frank said to uh, made made the comment that this made me smile, which, which is a good comment because I think a few other people would agree with that. Yeah, good. Well, why not? Hey, you might have those those three problems I had over uh, over Fostem that have been bugging me all year. I was thinking, oh, you know, I really maybe should ask them when I see them at Fostem. And they just have it at the top of your head. Yeah, it's fixed six months ago, and just because you're not rolling a, using a latest release, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the way of it. It is the way of it. Anyway, learning said, introduction to said, a series dedicated to me in particular, and only me. All the rest of you are benefiting from me bugging Dave down through the years. Excellent show, Dave. Thank you very much. Keep them coming. Yep. Well, there's another one in the in the pipeline, and one more being being uh, engineered or hammered with a big hammer at the moment. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying them actually. They're fun to do. I hope they're they're being helpful to uh, to a lot of people. Yes, they're making a lot of sense because I've done a lot of copying and pasting of said commands over the years and had no real clue uh, about why they were working or how they were working or. Um, I've had to go to Perl to do stuff that you say that said can do, you know? I, yeah, I, I know yeah you, me too. You probably wouldn't particularly think that that was a, a bad thing, but it's it would be nice if you're already in said to be able to do it in said. Yeah, said said can be pretty lightweight uh, in terms of what, what you have to write to get get a, get an effect. So it's good to have said scripts around and, and you know, maybe keep a library of odds and ends around that you, you can refer back to or something of that sort, one-liners and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazingly powerful. But I have used it for many, many, many years, but never got beyond 
maybe episode two of this series in, yeah, yeah. in terms of my understanding. So the, this was the goal. Go and find out how these damn things work and tell everybody what, what you yeah, find. Yeah. So hopefully hopefully that's uh, let's get in there. So. And that is, that is uh, very much what um, Dan was saying when he was doing the, and much, much lamented that his life got underway. Uh, when he was doing Linux in the shell um, stuff, that uh, you really need do need to get to know the topic very very well. Yeah, all, you, all you're doing, Dave, is reading the man page. Don't. That's all it don't is. Me, that's all, all it all is. Doing. Yep, yep. It went through my brain a little bit first, and a few bits stuck, but uh, but otherwise, yeah, just reading it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. The Pomodoro timer, and for a uh, start, Nacho. Uh, Jordy, thank you very much for taking up the shows here again. Uh, added this to Bash scripting, and what I really liked about this show was it was a here's the problem, and here's how I tried to start fixing it. I had no idea of this uh, timer technique of uh, of doing um, you know breaking up your day into that chunks. I don't know if it worked for me actually. It depends what you're doing. When I was a student way back. Um you know, doing A-levels and stuff, I came across some advice that said, slice your day, your, your study time up into 20-minute chunks and then have five or 10 minutes break in between. And I did that, and it, it helped me enormously to concentrate on things. So I don't do it now, though, because it's never really fitted into my work schedule since, because there was always some bum knocking at the door wanting something or a phone call and stuff. It doesn't yeah, fit yeah. in that, that sort of lifestyle. I guess if you're coding, perhaps, but I find then that if I'm coding, I go into the zone and then two or three hours can go and I'm just being productive for about two or three hours. And yeah, then, yeah. then once I have that chunk of stuff done, I'll stop and then you know, probably go to sleep and then wake up in the following morning with the logic ready for the next day. And then it's just a matter of, of uh, figuring out how to implement the logic that's in my brain in whatever which I'm yeah, killing. Yeah. Oh no, that's how I work too. But uh, yeah, it, I think the the Pomodoro thing and and things like it work well when you're studying, when you're learning stuff. It, it fits really, really well then because learning stuff is really hard to do because you know you're trying to force your brain to remember stuff yeah, and you, yeah. you easily fatigue as you do it. So you know it's it's good to take those breaks and to force them on yourself. Yeah, I think my learning technique, such as it was, I'm amazed actually though. That learning, teaching people how to learn isn't taught like in day one. And I can still not understand why typing is not taught in schools. It's just unbelievable to me. But I can. Um, yeah, I used to summarize stuff and then I would go out on to go for a walk and then talk and hear, hear myself saying it back. It was the only way I could, could learn. Six o'clock in the morning walking around a, uh, a graveyard or something. <laughs> Yeah, talk, yeah, yeah. To yeah, I've I've done similar similar things. Not so much the graveyard, but uh, but yeah. The other thing is you you write it down in a sort of bullet point structure That's like one, yeah, yeah. org mode and things like that do. And then I used to condense them. A lot of a lot of us used to condense that down. So you ended up with a sort of sheaf of file cards with the entirety all condensed down into bullet points, and then you could. You know, you learnt it to the point where you could look at one bullet point and then expand that out into into many, many of them in your head. You know, yeah, yeah, so yeah. 
So, uh, so when you got to an exam, and this was an exam learning technique, you would get to the exam and you'd say, okay, well, if I would just write down my 20 bullet points very quickly on the back of this bit of paper, then, you know, when I need them, I could go and paper that click. Given you, yeah. yeah, and then exactly, it was sort yeah. of bang and all of that stuff would, would come back. It, it was a way of getting your memory to trigger and stuff like that. So Excellent. Interesting. Yes, 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 yes. Once it's on the official paper, it's official. So, um, so anyway, so, yes, comment. Uh, Frank says, thanks for the tip about A-Play to trigger an audible alert. A-Play is actually quite cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't... Uh, I don't use A-Play. I've used Play in that in that case. I don't know what's what's better than than the other, if one's better than the other. I wonder, do they still work now in this day and age of Pulse Audio? Probably still, yeah. Yeah, I, I have alerts firing off when I, when people send in shows to HVR. I get a... Yes, I bet you do. A little noise popping up and a light coming on and stuff like that. It's great. <laughs> red alert, red alert. No, I found I found a lovely little cuckoo Guys, noise. Dave's <laughs> at uh, UTC, so uh, remember, or not UTC, um, British summertime now, so remember to end those shows at four o'clock in the morning when the alarm <laughs> goes off the neighbors. <laughs> There's, um, there's some really nice uh, light displays and stuff that you can get now from some of these uh, electronics vendors. There's one which is like uh, a barber's pole type of thing with 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 rings of LEDs on it. Yeah, yeah. So 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 you can have alerts coming on and flashing away. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, no. let's, let's move on, and we'll never get the show finished. 1988 Linux from scratch. My experience installing Linux from source. Brian in Ohio, whose accent is awesome. And um, the, uh, yeah, it's something everybody should do. I've, I did it, and uh, it is a very good learning experience. I don't know if I'd run my entire distro from it. It seems an awful lot of work to keep up with security patches and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it is definitely worth doing and something i've been thinking about perhaps doing again but maybe not yeah i know i've i, I when i listen to things like this and particularly this one i come away thinking wow i should really do that i really should um but you know <laughs> i it's, know quite why, why i don't <laughs> i haven't done so yet yeah it's because it's scary but it's all the commands are there even you could install a system even if all you need to do is to be able to follow a recipe all the commands are there. You don't need to be able to understand it. You don't need to do anything. You just follow the recipe. If you've got no laptop, you could configure it and run it. And there's an amazing sense of achievement. And his tip about um, console mouse is absolutely excellent. I'd even forgotten that that was possible. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was good. There's some, some really good hints and tips there. Epicanus had a comment in there. Great topic. Thanks. Never gotten around to messing with Linux from scratch. So I've often wondered what it was like. Thanks for the episode. I also think it's pretty funny that we ended up with two shows right next to each other about building Linux installations from hand. The first title containing the word scratch and the second containing the word itch. I'm easily amused. Smiley face. Yes, yes, very good. <laughs> Which brings us to WDTV makes me itch. A step-by-step description of turning an old computer into a simple Linux media appliance. I think he was building... Um, those terminal things that you see at lifts, given company notices and the like. Yeah, very interesting, very interesting thing to do. It's uh, like a sort of um, kiosk, wasn't it, that uh, was produced as an end result. Yeah. Very, very cool. Very cool. 
I, I just was thinking doing it because you know I've got the Raspberry Pi bias again, but I would probably just because I had one of these uh, HP things, and the amount of power that they draw. I was thinking, you know, most of the TVs now, um, for building that sort of system, you just put a, a Raspberry Pi on it, power it from the USB from the from the TV uh, screen, and then you know it turns on, gets a network, and pulls down the stuff. But I guess if you've already got this stuff in house, you know, it's probably not HDMI, or it's probably got its own, you know, um, installation. So you've already got this kit in all your places so what he's done has been pretty cool yeah yeah and and, and in the work environment it's probably different criteria that would make you make that choice anyway for yeah, a domestic I, thing as I opposed to one, domestic I see an awful lot of people using raspberry Pis for this if you uh even in work uh, as i go around i see a lot of like the lockers in the gyms are powered by raspberry Pis now seems to be a thing to do but yeah uh, that's that's you, so cool yeah you, you use the kit that you have i guess yeah yeah no it's fair enough we um we did a did something like this uh when at work in the BBC micro days we had a had yeah. a display out in the corridor that would that would give us it was a status display and what ser- what server was up and down and that sort of stuff driven from a BBC micro mm. but uh, that goes a long time back comments we had uh, be easy perhaps brilliant show i've chosen a minimal debian install but your solution takes a lot less space you convinced me that arch makes a more sense for this type of setup i will propose the solution the first chance i get please make more yes jonathan um, sorry go on. okay no i was going to take the next one that's all just to give you a rest that's all Fire ahead. um John John Kelp says, nice kiosk idea, very entertaining. Love the production value, especially the eSweek bot coming to get you. This is something I may actually try at some point because we could use a kiosk type thing running videos when we go out recruiting. And he replies back, Epicamus replies back, thanks all, this is the first time I've tried to do a tutorial sort of episode. Sounds like I did okay. Anyone have an opinion on whether it is a bit too low level or not low level enough? I would say yes and yes. It's too low level and not low level enough because we have both types of people. Just record your shows. Don't worry about the audience. People will take from it. And that's not to say that if it's too detailed now, it might be low level for somebody in you know six years when they come back and go, I remember dealing with that show. Where was it? Oh, yeah. I'll go back and get it there. So don't be worried about the level. Pitch it wherever you're comfortable pitching it. Yeah, it was great. I enjoyed it very much. I thought I thought that I'm not going to do that, but uh, if I ever want to, it will be the place I'll go and look. It was interesting, the, particularly the um, trying to keep the size small. But I would, I don't, I don't know if I would have gone. You know, everybody has their own approaches of how they would have gone, and anybody who has an idea on how to do that, uh, make smaller Linux distributions, should in fact record a show. Which is why I'm not saying anything more. No more. I promised enough shows as it is. Okay, the following day we had the actual script for the Pomodoro timer. And Dave, did you get a look into the script itself? I did look at it, yes. Uh, not for a huge lot of time, I have to say. But uh, yeah, it looked, it looked interesting. Um, I'm quite tempted to, to have a further poke around with it, maybe give it a try. But I haven't got that far with it yet, I have to say. I always uh, like the 
you know, you look into somebody else's scripts and you go, okay, what's he doing there? And, or she, as the case may be. And, uh, right, okay, I see there. Oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. Why, why is it that way? Uh, and I'm always very interested in the his uh, converting seconds to hours thing. I'm always very interested in that because he's using Bash. So, again, not promising a show. Um, keeping my mouth shut about date commands in Linux. Yes, yes, but you're right. No, looking at looking at somebody else's script is always is always a good thing to to do because you can you can almost guarantee to be able to learn something from from it. Yeah, exactly. And it's never a negative thing. It's like, okay, he did it that way. That's absolutely fine. Um, but uh, you know, you get into your old comfortable shoes habits, you know. <laughs> so you do stuff that way. But always there's something you go, oh, that's actually pretty cool. Indeed, yeah, that's absolutely right. So keep them coming, keep them coming. And of course, if you have your own script that you uh, have hacked together, especially five-minute ones that, that you're still using and that you've tweaked and twiddled and you never really considered there to be of any use to anybody, send in the show. Tell us your thought process, what happened, why you changed it. You know, you went back and you maybe put in an ifs, you know, 15 if statements, changed it with a case statement or something. Tell us about that. That's always nice, even if you're not telling any any new necessarily new piece of information that we haven't already covered. It's always nice to hear. Okay, the following day we had. Were there any comments on that actually? No, there weren't. Are there? I did want to comment, but I don't actually comment on the comments because I need to save my comments to comment here. <laughs> Doesn't. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Well, uh, yeah, I tend to. I, I try and comment if I can, but I've been too busy just lately, so uh, I wasn't able to do it this time. Anyway, yes, just in general, folks, there's nothing uh, makes a podcaster's day more than seeing a comment or a thankful email coming through, even if it's like your episode. Wouldn't you agree, Dave? Absolutely. That's uh, it's what it tends to be why why we do this sort of thing. Many of us, I think. Yeah, it's. Uh, I wouldn't say it's why I'm doing it, but it's. Uh, it's a very nice one. Yeah, it's four years doing this thing before anybody, before I did anything worth uh, somebody emailing me about. But yeah, fine. Um, it is really, really nice when uh, when a little uh, recognition comes in. It's always cool. Anyway, the following day we had. Uh, I don't know if it was the following day. I should actually put Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday things in there, but again, giving myself more work something I'm promising not to do. Be easy. Adventures installing Linux on the ASUS eBook X205A. And this was a uh, a cheap laptop running Windows uh, 10, I think, if I'm not 100% mistaken. Yes, I think so. Yeah, it's, it's not a machine I know, although ASUS eBook Sounds a bit like the EEPC. I don't know that much about it, to be honest. By the way, my father-in-law has just given me a original uh, EEPC, um, and I'm open to suggestions on what to do with it. I, um, my daughter would like it, but what do you think I should do with the EEPC original version? So yes, it's a small, affordable 11.6-inch Windows 8.1 notebook that weighs less than one kilo has a compact space-saving design. The ebook X205 allows you to surf the net 
for up to 12 hours full charge. Windows 8 with Bing gives you the full blah, 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 blah. So there you are. That's what it does. And wow, you have to go through a little bit of, well, a little bit to get win to get Linux installed. You have 32 bit Grub with a 64 bit operating system. And then trying to get um, UEFI installed. I don't know why people are disabling Secure Boot for, because the operating, there are several um, mainstream Linux distros that support booting with UEFI. So I don't understand that anymore. No, uh, I'm out of touch with this, to be honest, because uh, when I built the machine I'm currently using, uh, it comes with EFI and I just switched it off because I don't think there was any other choice at the time, but I've, I've, not, I've lost track since then. Yeah, the Fedora runs out of the box, Ubuntu runs out of the box, um, uh, OpenSUSE runs out of the box. Most of the, uh, most of the, I don't think, don't know if Debian does, but um, I've read places where you can get it to boot UEFI. It just seems like a thing that you would do. Okay, anyway, that's the thing. So first boot needs to get the Wi-Fi working. Then you need to fix the bootloader. Then you need to get uh, conflicts between SDHCPI APCI and BRCMFA Mac. Wow, and the micro SD card reader. Now, a lot of this could be down to the machine being so new that nobody has it and you have these teething issues that in six months' time, you know, it'll work out of the box with the next gesture. Yeah, yeah, that's still still the case, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but my my point, I'm making a philosophical point now that if I'm buying a machine, it'll be a Linux machine just so that it's a Linux machine. Yes. Well, of course, I have a laptop that, that came as a Linux machine, but we won't go into that. We won't go into that. Yeah, problem with the problem. Yeah, yeah. How many tickets did you have to buy for that, Dave? <laughs> it cost me five five British pounds. I'll tell have you now. That's a, yeah, yeah. yeah. Draw a veil. Draw a veil over that one. You, uh, that you definitely owe us all the show for that one. So you do. do you, well, I, I've actually drafted something out, but it seemed... It's just this guy going on about how he got a laptop and stuff. I mean, what was... Yep, exactly. Do, do people care about that sort of thing? I, yes. I, I, yes. Oh, okay. Well, There's I'll... There's one I'll person con- who definitely cares about that. <laughs> I will continue if with I it If I had gone to Hog Camp, I could have purchased that ticket because <laughs> we would have been together and I would have a cool laptop, which, of course, I would have given to the HBR community in a raffle to save money for the poor... Or the Accessible Computing Foundation. But no, <laughs> I wasn't selfish and take it home from Scotland. Oh, God. I just go out <laughs> and kill myself now, I think. No, don't do that, Dave. Okay. <laughs> okay. How I handle my podcast subscriptions and listening. 1992. With Podget, Renapod, Two Tag, Opconf, Splat, and Rockbox. And ListenLive.nl was the other link. I and the uh, great topic, this is Bjorn again, great topic, fun to hear how others do it, thanks for sharing. I never cease to be amazed at the different ways people have for getting for podcasts. Yeah, this, this, I love this one. This is, this is really, really good. Uh, very, very interesting. Partly because I do, you know, I've hacked my own thing, yes. which I'm not, not happy with. And I listen, I'm always listening for other people's ways of doing it. It's like the bash scripting thing we were talking about yeah, earlier. Yeah, you, know? yeah, yeah. you think, wow, that's a great idea. I'll try that. In fact, I did download Podget and tried running it a few times. 
and it it hits against the same problems that my hacked bash potter does um people are doing weird 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 things with with podcast feeds now for some reason i wish they did it's so easy to fix this thing so ah i don't know it's 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 a nice protocol but people are doing things like putting multiple enclosures in one um item they're doing all sorts of non-standard illegal things which breaks everything all over the blooming place yeah the problem is it's so vaguely written that it's uh, an argument for I heard about that is, yeah, but it doesn't say you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I, I had really? a bit of a, I had a bit of an argument with one of the, the, the podcast channels that, that did this. What they're doing is all of their media is called exactly the same. That, yeah, it's all... Euronews does that. It's the stupidest effing thing out. Oh, lordy. I think what they're doing is they're farming out their their feeds to some external company who's decided that's the way to do it. So to get the actual name of the file, you have to drill down through umpteen levels to uh, to to see what the terminal file is going to be, and then you you know then you know. And then how do you how do you manage things like knowing whether you've you've downloaded it before? If you have to do that, you know you well, have to. Especially- it's a pain. Because there's an ID in there. If the ID changes, then you're supposed to download the file again, regardless of what it's called. Most people just use the enclosure tag, but you're not actually supposed to use that. You're supposed to use the thing. And yes, Dave, I know what you're going to say. I know. You're going to say, Ken, you should do that uh, show about RSS feeds, which I will do just as soon as I've done the show about XML feeds, Dave. Which I will do just as soon oh. as I've done the show about HTML, Dave. <laughs> oh, I can hardly wait. Oh, yes. wow. <laughs> I freaking hate this because now that's three shows right there, Dave. That I promised. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. What year is it now? <laughs> I, and this is what I don't get people saying, oh, I don't know what to talk about. Well, all I have to do is open my mouth and then a promise of a show comes out. Anyway, but back to the show. These are actually quite good and I'm, I'm interested in looking at some of them. Yeah, yeah. I'm not entirely happy with my way of downloading shows at the minute. Uh huh. Yeah, no, exactly the same here. The the pod get looks really, really nice. Actually, it's really well put together, and yeah. it looks as if there's a community where people are saying, "Hang on, it doesn't work with this feed," and then he's uh, putting, you know, exceptions in. If it's this feed, then do this because oh. that's the way the world is. And uh, does that make you angry? But it, but it's really active. It looks like. Yeah, I'm going to uh, going to have a look at that, maybe. I will see how, how we go. Okay, can your window manager do this? Not your Geordie was on a roll this month. On a roll, we like that. And show off my rat poison configuration. I was listening to this uh, in the gale, putting back up my fence, which fell down. And uh, I, uh, uh, yeah, I was listening to this. Much intrigued. Again, not something, I don't think rat poison is something that... It's something that I would like to have, but I don't think I have the time to have it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. It, it's, uh, it looks really interesting, but it's a fair bit of investment to get it just the way you want and uh, and so on. Um, you right, it, though. The name is terrible. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Somebody's idea of a joke, I'm sure. Yeah, sometimes I think the uh, free and open source community, starting with uh, Richard Stallman should stop being funny and pick names that don't involve having to explain something for five five minutes before you can get on to the actual important work that you're trying to do. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. Yes, okay. Anyways, 
But again, if you're doing your, uh, if you ha- are thinking of giving rat poison a go, somebody else, um, record us a show and see how uh, uh, how it will compare to you if 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 somebody has taken up the challenge and uh, decided to do a show. Uh, send us in one to see how you got on. Love to hear it. I think that rat poison is something I would need about four or five shows of people raving about before I would go, mm, okay, I'll give it a go. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, um, I was tempted by the first mention of it. And the second mention, I was thinking, eh, I don't, I'm not sure I've got enough time, really, but uh, I, I need, need convincing before I, before I make that leap, I think. Yep, exactly, exactly. Now, the following day, we had a uh, John Culp with a Serpentine Belt replacement. Listen as I replace my Serpentine Belt, Idler Pulley, and Belt Tensioner in my truck. And I have no idea what a Serpentine Belt is. But thankfully, he put a link in his show notes. I think we call it the timing belt, don't we? I would imagine that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't actually know. I mean, it's serpentine because it goes all around the houses in that particular engine, it seems. Yeah, the picture from uh, from uh, Wikipedia that he has shows it's, a, it's a sort of like what the timer belt looks like at the front of an engine. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, actually, he the, has see also timing belt. So okay. I, I didn't. Is. I didn't spot that. No, I didn't see that. I, I looked at the video to see what the actual thing was. Um, being the, the the video they put up there was quite interesting, showing the the process. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it couldn't be anything else really, could it? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. So, what do you think of the episode, Dave? Oh, sorry. Yes, uh, I was just just cogitating there. Sorry. Um, so it's. Yeah, I, I thought it was great, actually. Um, John mentioned he was going to do that and said uh, it's going to be quite long. Uh, and I thought, well, and when I, as it was coming up, I was thinking, God, it's going to be so long, I'm going to be really bored. <laughs> Sorry, John. But no, no, I wasn't, actually. I found it quite fascinating. There's something strange about listening to people doing stuff and telling you what they're, what they're doing that, that, that just I just find it interesting. And you feel like you, you're sort of there at their shoulder listening to them talking about it <laughs> yeah exactly uh, I think I just though, um, John could have done with doing a little less of I'm doing I'm pointing to this and this thing isn't coming out telling us what this is would definitely help from time to time but it what didn't help either was the fact that I was going through exactly the same thing only with uh, my fence as opposed to that where you 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 go, you get the thing, it's the wrong thing, you have to bring back that thing, and then how many Saturdays have you lost with that? You know, you're going, you go to the shop, you get the thing that you need, you start, you bring it, you figure it out that it's the wrong one, you go back, they give you the other thing, you come back, you put it together, and then you're missing a 50 cent clip or something, and you go back, the shop is shut, there's nowhere else to go, it's Sunday, it's Saturday evening, you have to wait till Monday morning, you go down to the Monday morning, down to the shop, Dave, and you know what happens on Monday morning at the shops in the Netherlands? They're shut, Dave, because it's they've worked Saturday, so they get a half day on Monday morning, so you have to wait until one o'clock before your dripping tap or whatever is fixed. <sighs> it, does, <laughs> it doesn't happen in Scotland very much, they tend to be open all blooming hours and here, but uh, yeah, yeah, I have experienced that. It's not so bad anymore. They've opened the, you know, the big uh, DIY warehouses, so they're 
open even on a Sunday now. So, but but this was my life. Like you, you go fix something, and uh, you are almost finished. But you can't finish because it's Saturday evening, five five minutes past five, and then uh, that fifty cents thing that you need is is gone. Did you watch the video, by the way? I did. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's quite interesting. It's it's a very you wonder why engines are put together in that sort of way. I suppose there's a good answer to that because you want to get as much as possible in that space. But yeah, uh, yeah. it uh, you had to fiddle around the back of the fan and uh, it was... Uh, yeah, no, I, was, I, I, real, um, I felt his pain as he was going through that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, at least it's a bit more open than some of the, the more modern uh, car, car engines. Um, you know, at least you can get some some movement around uh, around the 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 engine compartment yeah modern modern cars like like my diesel for example you, you can hardly get in there at all you know you need to you need a degree in engineering to do it yeah uh brian says two thoughts while still listening first thought the star drive is called uh torx and is press fitted into the three-quarter drive socket second and most important is the extraction of the plastic plug when you get to the point of inserting the screw into the pilot hole just keep going with the screw it will bottom out and extract the plug on its own seems like brian knows a thing or two about this jonathan colt replies genius whoa what a genius suggestion it didn't occur to me to keep drilling the screw uh, that will work the same way uh, crank arm extraction tool on my bike will definitely do that the next time I'm in such a predicament and thanks for correcting me on the Torx head I can never remember that it's not like I've used them before haha <laughs> never used them before yes yes I, one of the things I bought many many years ago was a set of all these bizarre screw head, uh, you know screwdriver heads and uh, my son I have my set right here yep. in front of me holding it in my hand I, right um, now. one of the things my son asked for for his christmas was the i fix it set of you know universal uh apple type yeah, screw yeah, yeah. heads that you're not allowed to open this but uh you know but i fix it say well sod you we're gonna give give you screwdriver bits to uh to do it with absolutely stuff. love it yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the way it should be. We're not going to be stopped by that sort of nonsense. Yes. No, no, I I, I really think it's cool to have a... I mean, somebody has to open it up. Why not us? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think it came with all manner of spudgers and other strange tools for leaving backs off and, and that sort of thing. I have had many occasions where, um, where I've been taking stuff apart and just go to the kids and go... Aha, it's a funny shaped screw. The daddy's called the rescue and we go out and get this thing and come back. They don't want you opening this up, but you are opening it up now. <laughs> Alright, my poor <laughs> children live a very, very funny life. <laughs> anyway, Cov's Jams, a compilation of Libra licensed music that Cov enjoys listening to and Ken enjoys listening to because it keeps out the noise of mere mortals coming to project managers coming to distract me from my work. This is a great show. I, I like I like the idea of doing this. Uh, it's not the first time anybody's done this, I know, but I just like his uh, his list, his playlist here. It's some uh, about ninety percent of this I really enjoyed. I don't think I would have picked any of them myself if uh, if I was doing it, but 
always nice to hear other people's choices in music. Yeah, no, there's, there's a few there that I would like to go and listen to again, actually. Yeah, 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 obviously, but... Uh, and he's he's done another show before on this, and uh, it's in our All Songs Considered, Resurrected from the Past. Very good. Keep them coming, Cuff. And we had uh, Nacho with uh, XDO2 Magic. Uh, overview and a few possibilities with the X do tool. This was uh, this is an interesting one. I hadn't uh, I hadn't come across this tool before, although I seem to remember it existing, but not having an actual use for it. And then, I I think I think John Culps uses it with some of his uh, workflow processes. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. That's where we heard about it before. The website is given a five two two error, by the way. And has been for has been for some time. Yes, mm. you're right. And yeah, the, I, one, the thing I didn't know was the name and searching file thing, uh, the blog post, which is kind of interesting if you uh, read it. Yeah, I I I've only just caught up with this show actually, and listening to it today, I haven't followed that one up. But it's, it's an interesting idea. I'm not sure I would want to do it myself but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, his point about uh, there being no creation date on a unix file is a is is a good one though because that's, yeah. that's a thing i've often wondered about i uh, could not understand why that is there's like last modified date and there's uh, some other last save date or something there's several dates but not a creation date it is a it is a bug that should be fixed yeah i think it's a design decision of some sort but uh, it's, it's an odd one, one. Yeah, yeah. There's, if you um, use the stat command, you see there's, uh, well, at least on my version of Linux, you see a thing that says birth date, but there's no value there. I'm not sure what that is. It's file system dependent, obviously, that sort of stuff. Yes, exactly. But I, I also don't think I'd go to that trouble. I would put them, I'd put my files in folders, and then the folders make sense. And then after that, yeah, you know where you are. Yeah, that's what I've always done, yeah. Yeah. Okay, the following day we had Introduction to Set Part 3, looking more into Set Commands than just the S. This one I'm still going through, Dave, I must I must confess, because uh, the amount of time I have to... Uh, well, with your shows, particularly these ones, I need to listen to them and read them along, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to judge because, you know, I wrote the damn thing. So when I'm listening to I do listen to him because I want to critique them myself. And yeah. I'm thinking, oh, that's like, oh, yeah, I visualized that totally. Oh, hang on, you wrote the bloody thing. So it's not too surprising. But, yeah, uh, it's hopefully... Well, it's not that I don't think I could visualize it. It's just it's easier. You've written the show notes. I know you've written the show notes because I posted them. So I want to follow along because uh, I can see... It's just easier to see once yeah, you're there why yeah. not why not that's that's why that's just exactly the purpose of it and it's yeah i usually read them on the train except this week has been a bit hectic because uh, i've been out of the country for a while and my daughter's birthday coming up so things were i didn't have my normal one and a half hour commute in the morning and then another one and a half hour in the evening to do my podcast listening and stuff so i'm a little bit behind anyways um, Mike Ray says, knockout episode. Well done, Dave. This is knockout episode. Contains a lot of the more obscure said stuff and really useful and hard to find an example of online. I personally like you reading out the command line examples as I make a mental note of what the uh, strings to search for 
in your show notes and refer back later. I've used said for years, but this is an inexhaustible subject. Looking forward to your Ock series, nudge, nudge, you think. Never having really got my head around Ock. As am I, Dave. I'm looking very much forward to that. <laughs> well, I started thinking about it, but boy, that's a big subject. But you're a big man, Dave. You're capable <laughs> of taking it on. Yeah, well, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> no, actually, we really do need a, a... Do you want to read your... We do need an Ock series, Dave, so when you are finished, said, but I do realise the amount of work that it involves. So I'll give you a break yes. after you've done the said ones. Okay, you reply. Shall I, shall I read my... Uh... My comment, I said, careful what you wish for. Thanks, Mike. You're very kind. I, too, have used said for many years and always ignored much of the weird and wonderful stuff it's capable of and may do with the S command and a few others like D and Q as well as line addressing. In doing this series, I'm at last learning how to do some more sophisticated things with said. So it's fun to do. Episode 4 is finished and waiting to be posted, and Episode 5, the really deep, weird stuff, is in production. I'm trying to explain some of the examples in the GNU said manual in 5, but I'll have to understand them myself first. Yes, I'd quite like to do a series on Orc, and will if I can. So I'm committed now, aren't I? Yes, you are. It's easy to uh, say you're doing stuff. It's a lot harder to actually do the stuff. Once you've done said, you have to do Orc. Yeah, there's no way around and hi ah, you're ganging hello. up on me hi hello guys what's happening over there uh it's snowing actually yeah seriously april uh you know we don't kid about that stuff michigan is what it is what have you been up to oh quite a few things um i haven't even looked at the uh queue so i have no idea where we are um I got PenguinCon coming up the end of this month. Uh, once that's over with, I think I can breathe a little bit easier. You organizing that? I- I'm sorry, what did you say? Are you organizing that? Uh, I- I'm in charge of the tech track. Okay, give us a spiel, go on. you got five minutes. Okay. Uh, well, um, we've got a lot of interesting stuff. Um we have a fellow named Michael Lucas, who is an author, writes a lot of stuff on BSD and security and things like that, and and he's going to be doing some presentations. Uh, Tony and Tom from the Sunday Morning Linux Review are each doing presentations for us. Um, I've got uh, people, a couple of people from Red Hat, uh, Tom Calloway and Ruth Seeley that are going to come and and participate in a number of panels for us. Uh, Tom's going to give us an update on Fedora, uh, for instance, uh, which he's involved in. Uh, One of our guests of honor is a lady named Deb Nicholson, who works for the Open Invention Network and does a lot of work on patents and uh, mostly why patents are evil, of course, but... (laughs) Uh, so it's going to be exciting to have her here and, uh, you know, we've got some panels on AI, um, how to build, uh, your own home router. Now, of course you could just go to the store and buy one, but, uh, you know, these days people get raspberry Pis and build things. So we thought, well, let's do something about that. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to have some, uh, key signing in crypto, uh, you know, a lot of security stuff. So there's, uh, there's a lot of good stuff going on. I think I've got about 75 hours worth of tech programming for the weekend. Oh, pretty cool. 
And uh, you say there's tech. What else is there? Well, Penguicon is uh, kind of a hybrid of uh, tech, mostly open source uh, and open source related. So I, I have to be careful about that because one of my speakers is from Microsoft, but she talks about how Microsoft works with open source. So that's pretty good, actually. Uh, and uh, it's also a science fiction convention. Yes. So you've got all of the uh, cosplay and uh, authors and all of the stuff associated with that. Um, so it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's weird people, my people. Yep. Well, cool. Give us send us an update. I'm sure you'll be recording interviews. Yada yada yada. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure you'll be far too busy doing stuff to be recording interviews. Yeah, well, I managed to get through all of the, pretty much all of the issues that were slowing me down before. So uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to start writing and recording more stuff. Um, I, I still, I, I kind of left my uh, LibreOffice Impress hanging there with one more show planned that I didn't get around to doing. Um, and I want to get in a draw. So Okay, cool. Want to wrap that up and then, you know, maybe do some security stuff. You know, we'll see. Excellent. And how's the job going? Oh, the job is great. I am so happy there. Uh, they, they, uh, I started as a contractor uh, a little over a year ago. Um, and then in November, they decided they were going to bring me on as a direct employee with the benefits and all of that good stuff. And oh, it's a great excellent. place to work. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I, I'm real happy about all of that. And my wife is uh, pretty happy about all of that, too. Yeah, that helps too. We're just running down through the shows. We're at 1998, Home Brewing, a bit about making your own beer. And this is uh, Mirror, uh, Mirror Shades and talks about the Mr. Beer branded kit. And this is a something that I've been very tempted to get involved in. So I, uh, yes, I'm restraining myself. I must say it's uh, I have to say it's something on my to-do list that I've not got round to, to doing but uh, yeah it's I'd like more to hear more about this to to in, give me incentive but um while I'm speaking about this show I I really enjoyed the the bit about accents and uh, a sample of uh, of his grandfather's voice that he yeah, did yeah, at the yeah. at the beginning that was that was fantastic we do love accents over here, so don't be afraid of... Uh, I think somebody else um, uh, this month was concerned about doing a show themselves and then did it in their own voice, which um, was completely, perfectly understandable. Please don't be afraid of sending in shows with whatever funny accent you think you have. I mean, listen to me, for feck's sake. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's the more you hear accents from other people around the world the more your brain adjusts to that and makes you more open to hearing other accents it's always cool so keep them coming keep them coming please frank had a comment on this do you want to read it out or shall i um <clears throat> so yes uh, frank was really commenting on the on the whole accent thing he says uh, even though it was not the focus of your podcast, I found the bit about Eastern Kentucky accents particularly interesting. Many persons fail to appreciate the rich variety of speech patterns that the phrase Southern accent embraces. I'm from Eastern Virginia, and my mother was from the hills of far northwestern South Carolina. 
And though both accents were clearly southern, they were quite different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember once dropping down from the Blue Ridge Parkway somewhere in far southwestern North Carolina to head south to Atlanta and being almost unable to understand what the clerk at the, the gas station was saying. It was unlike any other variant I've heard, and I've travelled extensively in the south. It was as far from my eastern Virginia accent as a Scottish brogue. Enjoyed the podcast too, even though I have no interest in brewing my own beer. My preferred tipple speaks Gaelic. It gave Irish, me a better. Good old Irish. <laughs> there's, there's many varieties, actually, isn't there? It gave me a better understanding of the discussions from of home brewing that one is so likely to encounter these days. Afterthought: My trick for spotting a fake Southern accent is using "y'all" as a singular pronoun. Everyone knows "y'all" is pr- is plural. So uh, I'm going to contradict you on that one. "Y'all" is singular. All you all is plural. Can't, I can't comment. I've a lot of shows about that particular <laughs> comment. You know, more than three shows is a series, folks. Uh, you know, it, a side note uh, is that I have heard that language scholars say that the accent you hear in at the Appalachian region is actually the closest analog we have to what was spoken in Elizabethan England. That's interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. The uh, the the host in this particular show was commenting that a lot of the accent origins were Scottish and uh, Irish, excuse me, <clears throat> with possibly a German element as well. I think he said. So yeah, wow. Somebody's PhD there somewhere. I think. And yeah, was- I think I think the uh, the argument about that is that yeah, it's a lot. There were a lot of Scotch Irish. Uh, people that settled that area and it just you know isolation you know they spent several centuries just by themselves and not interacting with everyone else whereas in england uh in particular uh you know everything evolves tremendously you know shakespeare would probably have tremendous trouble understanding received pronunciation or you know whatever it is the bbc does I can assure you, I have immense trouble understanding Mr. Shakespeare. Yeah, and uh, and some of the some of the others around that time, Chaucer and stuff like that. There's loads of students sitting their exams now in Ireland, going, "Yes, I also have big problems understanding Mr. Shakespeare." <laughs> okay, the following day, Dave, you're going to have to do the review. Right, this is definitely on my show. list. Actually, it's the Adur uh, Jack Audio, and. Personus interface to record an entire band practice and I've every single time like in the open source musician podcast they all seem to be using Adur and Odor Odor or Odor I can't say that it's, it sounds wrong it doesn't sound like the way they pronounce it in my head when I hear it and they seem to use Jack instead of Pulse Audio so I'm yeah. looking forward to listening to this show Jack goes with Pulse Audio, doesn't it? Did, did I not pick that up? But it, no, it's it's a sort of control interface of, on top of Pulse, is was what I understood. But he he's obviously knows his way around this. He's obviously experienced in the ways of, of sound engineering, I, I thought. And and as for a first show, I thought it was great. Really good. Nice sound, good good speaking voice, really well put together, I thought. But uh, fascinating. No, that means I'm going to have to lower the bloody bar again. 
Well, I'm just telling it as it is. But uh, <laughs> as we say, you know, feedback is in this in this show is important. But um, yeah, it was it was he was talking about how he's using a Linux system to record his band, just largely for for sharing the the result with the band so that they can improve their their skills. Um, is he and, in the band uh, itself? Yes, he's a singer. He's a sort of second level singer, I guess you'd call it. Um, maybe that's not the way he'd put it, but that's more or less what I how I took took it anyway. Um, so yeah, it's uh, they're a rock band, so they're uh, they, they've got a whole raft of microphones and uh, but the and um, but they're they're feeding everything through a sound card into his uh, uh, Dell machine running Linux. So. Oh. They're, they're, and as I understood this, I'm, I'm no expert on this. My son would, would understand it better because that's what he's doing um, at university. But uh, he, uh, the, the use of Jack sounded quite interesting as a way of, uh, of managing it all, all these, I think, 16 inputs, he said, to, uh, to this machine. So pretty damned impressive, I thought. Oh, cool. Looking forward to I will be listening to that Monday when I get my MP3 player back. Sorry, Og player back. Ooh, I have to slap myself for that. Okay, that was it for this month, I think. There was a, oh, there was to a break, comment. Yes, John. There was a comment. To, shall I do it? It was That's from John Culp. John Culp says, more on Ardor. Welcome and thanks for a great episode. Glad you found us. Hope you'll make good on what you said about recording lots of episodes for HPR. It would be timely since I've had to cut way back. Anything about audio recording, editing and post-production will be enthusiastically received. Absolutely. So I second that, absolutely. The cat got Dave again. Sorry, did I, did I take my finger off the, yes, the button yes. too soon there? <laughs> Sorry. So yes, I, I agree with your, your comment anyway. Okay, so comments that were not included in this month's show. Let me have a look. Or do we have mail lists? No, comments first. So we had... Um, I always find it difficult to follow this one through, to be honest with you. But well, we had the mailing list discussions that we do in the comments, because... Well, well, since we've been doing comments with the show, should we should we just finish them off? Or yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah, bothered, exactly. bothered one way or the other, but... Um, yeah, there were some comments to uh, 1727, which was Frank Bell talking about Mutt, which is uh, Leslie Satinstein said he's uh, it was a nice pos- podcast and he appreciates the references and intends to follow up with Mutt. And Frank came back saying good luck with Mutt and thanks for listening. And then we had a, uh, episode, a comment on the episode by experiencing the Meagle T02 Part 2 which was uh, Shadowy Figures audio presentation. And the comment was, I just got around to listening to part two of this and having missed part one, loved it and immediately went back to the first part. Refreshing break from the usual style of HBR, HBR episodes. Can't wait for part three. No, nor can, neither can I. And that was still void. Did you say that? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think so. Go. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't hear you. And then we had... Oops, one second. We had a comment on the HPR Audio Book Club, uh, 11.5, which was the interview with David Collins Rivera, also known as Lost, Lost and Bronx. Bronx. Thank yep. you very much. And the comment was from David L. Wilson, which goes like, Firefly, so you probably see Firefly in everything. 
that's because it is in everything. Lol. He's so right. He is so right. Yes, I like that comment. That's very good. <laughs> and on the episode that uh, Mirror Shade did how I got into Linux, um, he thanked uh, 30 for the, his nice kind words and uh, heads up to Icepack Linux. Have no idea. They made a comeback. And then we have um, comment to the goal free Librefry software, the goal and the path by myself. Uh, does the free software, uh, this was comments about the fact that the, um, the audio was lost and unfortunately no, the free software does not have a, free software foundation doesn't have a copy of this, but the presentation itself is um, a fairly generic presentation that he has given on more than one occasion. He's actually given it as a TEDx exhibition, so it's fairly easy to track it down as well. But again, moral of the story, Dave, backup, backups, and double backups. Yes, I, uh, as I said in in another context, I had a recorder with me at, in Brussels and didn't realise that it was going to be recording that night, so I never brought it with me. I'm really sad I didn't. And uh, I had two backup devices, but both, neither of them had been charged, so that's why that didn't go. Then I edited the show, uploaded it, and the batteries went on my audio device and my H2, and it went back to recording uh, episode numbers as file 000, which overwrote the original. And that overwrote the bits on the actual uh, SD card, so it's gone. (sighs) Annoying. Very, very annoying. But, yeah, that happens sometimes. I actually lost two other shows as well, uh, two other interviews at that, which I'm trying to trace down the people to interview as well. Damn it, it's a shame. Yeah, it's but it does happen. And there's nothing, you know. It's yeah. I got what eight hours of interviews out of it. I missed some. So there was one more comment that we we need to mention i guess which yeah. was uh to my episode first said episode which um very good gan ain said another said resource he great said resource he pointed out the book called unix text processing um which is an o'reilly book which is available free in a in a pdf form and it, it features a very illuminating description of stream editing and said on page 288 um at seek uh so i said to that thanks very much and i find the book fascinating never having done more than dabble with nrof trof and the like because that's what it's mainly about it seems a touch dated but interesting nevertheless i'm not sure i'd recommend it for a said beginner though i don't have a book recommendation to offer in turn having taught myself to use said for manual pages and so forth and I started using SED on a deck fax cluster running VMS in the late 1980s. It had been ported to VMS from Unix and made life much simpler since VMS wasn't that good at doing this sort of editing. So I uh, don't know what made me say that, but that's certainly this, the case. <laughs> well, I haven't uh, seen that book. Have you read it at all, or just browsed? Yes, it? I I downloaded it and had a had a look at it, but I've not read it in detail because it's mainly about uh, using tools like uh, TROF and NROF and the, those sorts of wow. uh, facilities, which you know they're they're powerful, but maybe a little dated in today's de- world of Markdown and and so forth, or even oh. tech for that matter. 
and you can record the show and tell us why that is not so. Well, uh, uh, yes, you, indeed. I mean, uh, <laughs> you can do it. Organ, amen, ganamin, ganamin, gan. Amen, amen. Okay, I'll stop now. Sorry for butchering people's names. It is a tradition. Feel honored that you have had your name butchered by me. Okay, so that was the comments. Shall we do the um, the show notes? Email. Email. The email. Email. Um, yes. Yes. So we had a couple of uh, messages from Epicanus in his uh, persona as. Ivan Privasi, which is a great persona, I think. Um, and he was just asking some questions about the eSpeak voice, which he then answered for himself. Very good. Um, and, I've done that on more than one occasion. I, yeah, well, that's fine. That's what mailing lists are for, really, isn't it? There's an interesting comment from uh, Christopher Cov- Covington about Libravatar, which is an alternative open source avatar um, type system which is used by uh github did he say i've forgotten i haven't got it in front of me okay so um yeah that was that was pretty pretty cool i have had a look at this i actually to be surprised i thought um uh gravatar was uh was free and open source as well because i uh it is the least associated with wordpress so i thought it was but if it isn't, I will definitely have a look at uh, Lib Avatar. See what that gets us. Yeah, I haven't looked at it myself, but it sounds interesting, doesn't it? Yeah, I thought it was uh, associated with WordPress, like you thought. Yeah, probably. Now that you mentioned, it, I never thought to go and look to see what the license was because you, I thought you could download the. It was no, I did actually. I think it's a GPL license. I don't know. I could be wrong. I'll have to go and have another look at that. Anyway, it's on the list. And then we have a whole go of stuff uh, where people, um, including Kevin Wisher, uh, offered a lot of help fixing the audio. Um, and yes, no, there is not. Uh, there wasn't. It wasn't possible to repair that audio for that show. Now, it was an interesting discussion and worth looking at some of the, the strategies that, that people use to, uh, to have a go at it. But... Uh... And in the digest, Dave, we all know that's not right. People replying to the digest. The, uh, there was also people who helped out with the... Let me just uh, call out a few of them names there. Hold on one second. We had Nigel, Kevin Wisher, uh, Epicanus, of course. Um, Kevin Wisher again. Kevin O'Brien and himself himself. And it was actually very interesting all day. All the different uh, approaches. Yeah, there was there was yeah. stuff to be learned from that. I thought. Yeah, some good coming out of it. And then the last one was the community news, of course. The end. I should go through the the list and delete the community news invitations, probably, <laughs> just to save save some time. Not at all. And was there anything else offline that we were aware of? The oh yeah, there was the change to the. Um, to the mail list uh, reminder once a month I think you put a stop to that yes I switched it off this morning in fact because I couldn't see why on earth it was on I think it had just been hiding because uh, the anti-spam thing had been been killing it off as it was going out uh, perhaps maybe I don't know I can't think of any other explanation do you want to give a update on what that was well um, Mailman 
the mailing list service that we're using for the HPR list uh, has the feature of sending out a password reminder to subscribers once a month. And uh, you can set that at the list level or individual subscribers can ask for it uh, um, by fiddling with their own uh, configuration. And it it was reported today that uh, somebody had received one of these things and it contains a uh, plain text password, which Mailman has always done because it goes way back into the mists of time and that was the way things were done in those days. And it was always regarded as being a low security password anyway because you shouldn't go and use your, the password to your bank for, for your mailing list subscriptions and that type of thing. But uh, it's still not, not, not good practice. We've switched it off. Uh, it, for some reason it had been on at the global level, we switched it off, um, and the next release of Mailman will not do this anymore. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, install that before before too long. We'll need to talk to Josh about that. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. And was there anything else? I have nothing more. I have nothing more. I'm drained, Dave. I'm drained. Kevin? Um, I was doing a little research in the background, but I cannot find the Gravatar license. It's owned by Automatic, which is the same company that owns WordPress. Um, it's more likely free than not, I'm guessing, but I, I haven't definitively proven that. Yeah, as we know, if it ain't stated, then it isn't. Okay, thanks for bringing that up, and uh, let's look into that, shall we? Okay, with that, folks... If you join me, everybody be standing for the HPR National Anthem. Join us now and share the software. You'll be free, hackers. You'll be free. (sighs) Yes. uh, Thankfully, Dave, nobody asked uh, RMS to sing that in Luxembourg. Oh, he would. I'm sure he would. Oh, he would have. Yes, he would have. Okay, guys. That's all. Tune in tomorrow for another exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio. God, it was almost like we rehearsed that. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. Tune in tomorrow for. Okay. See you guys. See you. Cheers. Right. Where's my off button? You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.